The reading today is from Psalm 13. How long, O Yahweh, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Look and answer me, O Yahweh, my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy says I have overcome him, and my adversaries rejoice that I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to Yahweh, because he has dealt bountifully with me. These are the very words of God. Blessed be the words of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this time to gather, gather together today. Lord, today is uh, John, Pastor John Nicholas comes up. We ask that you be with him, that he uh, shares your word mightily. Uh, please be on all, all of us as we uh, prepare our hearts to hear it and receive it for your honor and your glory. We ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, please turn to Mark chapter 4. And on that day, when evening came, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus himself was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion, and they got him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Psalm 13 is a psalm of David. It seems to be linked to Psalm 12 that we read last week, but different in its focus. It is a psalm that is, like many psalms, that is imbued with much parallelism. In this particular psalm of Psalm 13, it is what is referred to as synthetic parallelism. And that's just a fancy way to say that each subsequent line describes the previous line or adds to the previous line so that we understand it better. This psalm itself is broken into three parts. It starts with, uh, it starts in ever decreasing the amount of what it says to an absolute point that it gets to. It speaks to a man and the issues that he is having as opposed to all men. Whereas the previous psalm in Psalm 12 spoke of David and that all the righteous are gone and that there is nobody left. Now David is by himself and God is not listening from his perspective. It's a psalm that should speak to all of us to some degree today. It is a psalm about a man who is in despair. A psalm about a man who has lost all hope. Look at verse 1. It says, How long, O Lord, or O Yahweh, four times in the first two verses, how long is his cry? How long, O Yahweh, will you forget me forever? If that does not speak to despair and hopelessness, I do not know what does. 
It is a man who is lost in the dark night of the soul. It speaks, this how long speaks to a person that's been struggling for an inordinate, inordinate amount of time with an issue, with a problem. He has received no answers. He has received no seeming hope. He is a man who is empty. His faith is fading. How long am I to be here without hearing anything? The silence for David is deafening. It is not a man who has prayed and receives the immediate answer. It's a man who keeps praying and seemingly receives nothing. How long will you, have you, will you continue to forget your servant? This forever here, this particular word in the, in the Hebrew there, means a memory that is entirely forgotten. That there's no evidence of it left. That there is everything that would have even reminded, even to the smallest degree, is gone. That is what David is saying. This is what the Lord is doing. It's like I never existed. It's like all the things that happened to me have, not, have been for naught. He's a man that is lost. He's a man that was, as it would say, it was a man after God's own heart, but now the Lord seemingly has no memory of him. Maybe you have had similar prayers or relationships with God. David is that man that is seemingly on a desert island, alone, by himself. No support structure, nothing is there. God is not answering, there is no help to be found. He's a man in a boat in the middle of the ocean, no land to be seen, no provisions, no water, slowly dying, abandoned. From his vantage point, he cannot even see any evidence of God. He's crying out, how long, how long, how long from the pit with no answers? That next line then says, how long will you hide your face from me? That idea of God hiding his face means that there's no blessing, that God has turned away that there is nothing to receive from the Lord, that he is not even, the Lord is not even considering David, not even considering his cries, the unanswered phone call. It just rings and rings and rings. Uh, the person who said they would always be there for you, and they don't pick up, they don't text back, they're gone. This is a difficult situation that David is in because of that abandonment by the God that he loves, that now in his words here that he's saying, not only has the Lord turned away from him, but from, from David's perspective, he has purposely done so. All that David can see is that the Lord has purposely turned away from him, has purposely abandoned him, is purposely not answering him, is purposely not responding to him. From David's perspective, that's what it is. It's the idea that there's nothing more that David could know about the situation, that David could learn about the situation, that David, in his situation here, there's nothing more he can do, there's no more pleading he can do, there's nothing that will re return an answer from God. Now, maybe you can relate to that. 
Maybe you have had these prayers late at night, night after night, day after day, with no apparent answer. Maybe you feel that the Lord does not hear you, does not care, does not listen. And that's why we study the Psalms. Because the Psalms give us a picture of what it is like to believe, what faith looks like, how to react in times of difficulty. The Psalms, as it will say, uh, they shine a light on the path. They give, us, they give us light into faith and belief and trust and assurance. They shine that light on a dark path that is in an even darker country. They shine that light that guides us on the way to the eternal kingdom of light. Verse 2, how long shall I take counsel in my soul? How long do the answers only come from inside of me? How long do I have to struggle at this, Lord, that you're not answering me? That idea of taking counsel in his own soul is that because he receives nothing from the Lord, he has to look inwardly. Now, I would caution you, I would caution you that this is dangerous country. When you look inwardly for answers, you will not like what you receive. Not only will you not like them, but you won't receive it rightly because the heart is desperately wicked above all things. When he is turning within himself, he is going to hear false things about the way God truly is. His despair will go deeper because of looking inward instead of upward. When you can look, and when we can look only at our wicked heart for the answers, guess what we get back? Wickedness. Lies. It is an idle factory. The result here is that more and more and more despair comes upon David. Because he is seemingly not getting the answers back that he wants. having, notice that next line, having sorrow in my heart all the day. Sorrow in my heart all the day. How long will my enemy be exalted over me? How long, O oh Lord, will this continue? This is not the, the call or the cry of a man who has prayed yesterday and didn't receive the answer today. This is a man that has been struggling for weeks and months and potentially years without receiving what he deems as an answer. When God is seemingly distant, when the prayers seem to stop at the end of the nose or at the ceiling, when nothing seems to be getting through, and again that phone is ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing and nobody is picking up. Because of that, the enemies seem to be winning. The heart is sorrowful all the day long. The enemies are exalted above him, the only, as from his perspective here, as we remember back in Psalm 12, all the righteous have disappeared, I'm the only one left, and it seems like these sinful, wicked people are just thriving over this, and you don't answer me, God. The plea to be answered. Can you relate? Have you heard the deafening silence? Are you listening to your heart, which will lie to you? Maybe you can relate to those feelings right now. Maybe in the past or recent past, where God was seemingly absent from your life. 
You studied the Bible, you went to Sunday school, you came to worship service, you prayed to God, you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. You knew that the Spirit was within you, yet your prayers were seemingly unanswered. The relief you sought never came. The trouble you wished to be taken away was or is still with you. And because of that, your soul is troubled. You wondered if you got it right. You search for the answers in the scripture. You see them, but yet nothing comes. You see, this is the way David felt. At a time riding on high of knowing the Lord, the Lord was right there walking with him, right next to him, right beside him, Seemingly, the prayer life is going well. Everything is just right with him. And now, all of a sudden, there is nothing. Do you think that's because the Lord has abandoned him? Or perhaps it's something else. You see, I would propose to you that if you have those feelings, it is not that the Lord has abandoned you. It's not that you have believed in the wrong thing. It's evidence that you believe in the absolute right thing, that you have those feelings and you desire those answers from God. Therefore, we study these psalms and we study the psalm of David so that we can receive right thinking. We study the psalms especially when we are in difficult times because they speak to the way we are. They speak to our emotional state. They speak to the, what it looks like to be a person that seeks out the Lord yet still struggles at times. They tell us the way things really are with God and they tell us the way things really are with us. What we find is that at times the belief in the heart of the believer and the mind of the believer are out of sync. They're not meshed. I, 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 I'm in trouble. Things are not good. I read the Bible. I understand the words. I understand that these are truths, but I don't believe it in my heart. It can't be this way. It can't be going this bad for a follower of Jesus. Now, I would caution you when you say that. Because I particularly remember, it just comes to my mind right now, that Stephen was a follower of Jesus. And Stephen was a man after the heart of God, filled with the Spirit. And Stephen received many blows of rocks that killed him. Probably not his preferred thing to happen, yet it was what God desired for him to happen for his good. So we have problems where the heart, our heart and our heart belief gets out of sync with what we know in our mind. We don't trust what we're reading. We don't trust what we're understanding. We need to constantly be reminded of what the scripture says. So we have those first two verses, and if you do the word count on the verses, or the verse count on those, if you, you will see that there's going to be more words in the first two verses than there are in the second two verses than there are in the third set of two verses. It is almost like we're seeing in the beginning here the chaotic mind that is going on that is struggling with the lack of answers that he wants. His plea of how long will this be, be going on? How long can it possibly happen? Hasn't it been long enough so far? that I've struggled with this. So then, so we now have this plea. Now in the second two verses, it's the plea of the man who is seemingly forgotten. 
the plea of the man who's seemingly forgotten. It's the prayer of the man who has seemingly been forgotten. Verse 3, look and answer me, O Yahweh, O Lord my God. Look and answer me. Listen to me, please. Give me something. Give light to my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Let me understand why this is going on. I'm crying. He's crying out for answers. He's praying for answers. That God would look back upon him. That God would show him favor again. Remember, because of the situation and lack of answers, David wrongly thinks that he's found fell out of favor with the Lord. He wrongly thinks that he has fallen out of favor of the Lord. Now listen, if you are found in Christ Jesus, you are found in God's favor. If you are found outside of Christ Jesus, you are not in God's favor at all. Remember Psalm 711, the prayers of the wicked are not heard. However, the prayers of the righteous are heard. We are righteous through Christ Jesus. We've been clothed in his righteousness. This look and answer me is a command. David is just commanding. He's he's just speaking from his heart. I need something. Perhaps you have felt like that in your life. That word for light that he has there, that give light to my eyes, is the word literally means fire. That's why it's important to see words in context. Words only have meaning in context, and the context here is give light to my eyes. It is like that torch on a path. I'm stumbling down this this pathway, and there's rocks everywhere, and there's turns everywhere, and there's roots everywhere. I'm tripping over them. I need light to see where I'm going because I can't see right now. I'm falling on my face as I'm traveling. I need you to answer me. You need to illumine the situation. You need to shine light on this, even if it's a little bit. I need light to see. I need light to know what is going on, lest I die. I will certainly die unless you give me light, Lord. He wants those fires of illumination lit. A beacon, a lighthouse, so that he can see what is happening because the path is dark and he does not know where to go. And the enemies are succeeding. Lest my enemy says I have overcome him and my adversaries rejoice that I am shaken. David's enemies would be the enemies of the Lord, too. This stumbling man on a rocky path, tripping and falling because he has no light to see. In that deafening silence that has come. For David, that success of the enemies is evidence that the Lord is not hearing or listening to his pleas. He admits that he is shaken that means he is wavering. That means he is wobbly. That means he is, he, is, he is shaken to his core and can almost not stand. He's not standing strong and knowing the Lord. He's barely supported at this time because it has been so long since he has seemingly heard from God. He is hunched over. He might as well have a cane stumbling along. No longer firm in his knowledge of who God is. Therefore, show me something, Lord. Give me some light. Give me some direction. Show me the purpose behind the struggles that I have. I can tell you right now that if you live long enough and you have struggles in your life, you may not in this life get answers to why you had those struggles. There is nothing in this scripture that says that you will get an answer for that. What the scripture does say is that it's for your good, it's for his good and your benefit, even if you don't know why.
but we can be shaken. David trusts in the Lord, but his faith is wavering because of that deafening silence. David wants his, his, his it's clear that his, his, this prayer here in these two verses is he wants to trust in what the Lord is doing. He, he, wants, to, he wants to be feel, sol- ah, there's that word, feel. He wants to feel strong in the Lord. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, our feelings lie to us all the time. Because it's not about feeling. It's about knowing. It's about that heart and mind being in sync with who God is and I need, and he needs the reminders of the promises at all times. He needs the reminders of the promises of all time that that he is to live a life, whether he hears from God or not, a life of obedience. Being disobedient to the Lord is life-damaging. He desires that when he brings up these enemies that are shaking him, he, he desires that the Lord prevails over these enemies. That, these, that, that the Lord prevails so that, that not only will he not have any, any doubts in the Lord, but so that others who, who may believe won't have doubts in the Lord either. We know that overall, the lords of the enemy, at the end, Lord's enemies will not prevail. We must understand, though, at times that God will use his enemies to bring obedience and judgment from his people. Turn to Psalm 46. Starting at verse 8 through the end, come. Behold the works of the Lord who has appointed desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to end to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts up the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. Cease striving. Cease working. Cease trying to do something before you know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Do you cease in your struggles in the non-answers that you believe you're receiving or the fact that you're your calls to the Lord are not being answered. Do you, have you ceased striving? Do you know that he is God? Do you know that he is sovereign over all things that are occurring? Perhaps you feel like you are tripping and falling and stumbling on a dark path. Perhaps you feel like you're traveling through those dark woods with no seeming light anywhere around you, with no idea where you're going, with monsters around every turn in that path you cannot see. You have no light. You feel that the enemies are prevailing over you. You feel that you are being just overtaken by things. You are feeling like you're faltering, that you're wavering, that you're wobbly, that you're shaking over these things that are going. And I would tell you that although most of us do not have physical enemies like David may be speaking of, we do have the greatest enemy of all, and that's the devil. Go to 1 Peter probably is not up on the screen, although it may be. First Peter chapter 5.
starting in verse 6. Therefore, sometimes these verses are difficult even for myself to read. Because things are just brought to the forefront in your own life when you're, you know, you're, the preacher first preaches to himself, right? And just casting my eyes over these verses, look at verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. If we were to stop there and just say, that's it. David, you know this, that you will be exalted at the proper time, not any time before that, that you will hear when it's right. Not when you desire, but you must trust and know that I am God. Cease striving at the proper time, he will exalt you. This is verse 7, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I'm going to steal a phrase from last week. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that he cares for you? We certainly could, could understand what David is feeling. We've all at various times have probably felt that way. But do we, do we cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us? Do we do that? And here's the caution we can cast things upon the Lord. That does not mean the struggles go away. Just sometimes we, got to, we have to repeatedly cast them upon the Lord. We have to repeatedly remind ourselves of what the Scripture says, that He cares for us. Verse 8, be of sober spirit, right thinking. This has nothing to do, this has nothing to do with alcohol. Be, be of right thinking, be watchful. Your adversary, now, okay, so he says be watchful. Okay, that means I'm on alert. I'm looking round about. Be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Okay, so if you look in that context, humble yourself, know that God is God, okay? That he has you in his hands, that he is protecting you like a mother hen protects a chick. He's protecting you in the right way that is perfect for you, that he's doing the, whatever's happening with you right now is perfect for you, okay? At the right time, he will exalt you, not at the time that you desire, but the time that he desires, right? For your benefit, you cast all your worries and cares upon him, and we do that because he cares for you, because he loves you. How much did he love you? His son went to the cross and was nailed there for you. Okay? If you have any doubts about his care, that's the level of care. Okay? So that's the level of care. He cares for you. Cast it upon him. David, cast these things upon him. Know that he is God. But you must be sober of spirit. Don't be looking inwardly to yourself and trying to understand. Anything. Sober of spirit. I'm looking to God. I'm trying to understand. I'm understanding through the scripture. Be watchful to know what the truth is. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, he's looking for the chinks in the armor. He's looking for that place to attack you, because when does a lion attack? He doesn't attack at the water hole. The, the one, why is he attacking a water hole? Why, why, if you look at your nature channels, you go in there, that David Attenborough, this is just horrible, just a miserable channel to watch animals getting killed all the time. Right? Why do you, when does the lion attack? At the water hole? Their heads are down in the water. They're not paying attention. They're busy with something else. Right? They're busy with their own anxieties, their own cares. They're inwardly focused instead of upwardly focused. That's what it says to us. 
inwardly focused about my own wants and desires, and guess what? That's where the devil attacks. Have you ever noticed how the devil attacks on those things that you are most worried about? Happens all the time. The things that is consuming me is where he attacks me at. Because I'm not upwardly focused, I'm inwardly focused. He's like a roaring lion. That's why he gives this idea, the, very known in this time, that uh, the lions, will, uh, of how they would attack. That's exactly the way the devil is. That's exactly what he does. But unlike the lion of the Serengeti or in Mozambique in the jungles, it isn't the flesh of an antelope that he wants. The devil is a lion. He desires your soul. And being found in Christ, I will tell you this right now, he is always looking for that avenue of attack. Always looking for that avenue of attack. So then we come to verse 5. It isn't the forgotten man in verse 5. It isn't the prayers of the forgotten man of verses 3 and 4. But in verse 5, it's the truth of the God who remembers the truth of the God who remembers. How long, how long, how long, four times in the very beginning. How long have I struggled? Three and four, look, answer me, Lord. Please give me an answer. Please let me know. Please give me light. And then five and six, but. But. I have trusted in your loving kindness. That Hebrew word has said, that loving kindness uh, reflects his mercy, his goodness, his faithfulness, his love, his acts of kindness, his steadfastness, his justice, his righteousness, his goodness. It's all encompassing with what God is. I have trusted in your loving kindness. Do you trust in his loving kindness? If we take it back to our friend Stephen, Stephen, as he was getting stoned to death, trusted in the Lord's loving kindness. This part of this psalm is that turning point at the end. We have decreased to the smallest section of this psalm. rather than the, the, the pleas for relief in the first two verses to the prayer for relief in the second two verses. It is through prayer that he was brought to this understanding in verses 5 and 6 that he has trusted in his, the Lord's loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to Yahweh because he has dealt bountifully with me. He was to the point where all was seemingly lost, but it was the prayer of the penitent man, the one who has humbled himself before the Lord, the one who has said that you are God and I am not, that whatever I am going through right now is for my benefit and your glory. His hope is returned. Where previously all blessings were gone, he is remembering them now. Where previously was the dark night of the soul, the light is being shined, shown upon him. Previously he was alone in his thoughts, and now he has the truth about the Lord. He has prayed for the Lord to look at him. He has prayed that the Lord's face would be turned back to him. He has prayed humbly to know, and the answer has come, I have trusted in your loving kindness in the past, and I will continue to trust in your loving kindness moving forward. My heart will rejoice in your salvation, the type of salvation that you bring about, 
And I ask you now to think about this loving kindness that the Lord has given. Turn to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. Verse 1, give thanks to Yahweh for he is good for his loving kindness endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his loving kindness endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his loving kindness endures forever. To him alone does great wonders, who alone does great wonders, for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who made the heavens with skill for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who made the great lights for his loving kindness endures forever. The sun to rule the day for his loving kindness endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who struck the Egyptians through their firstborn for his loving kindness endures forever, then brought Israel out from their midst for his loving kindness endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two for his loving kindness endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it for his loving kindness endures forever. For he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who struck great kings, for his loving kindness endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his loving kindness endures forever. Sion, Sion, king of the Amorites, for his loving kindness endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his loving kindness endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance, for his loving kindness endures forever. Even an inheritance to Israel his servant, for his loving kindness endures forever. Who remembered us in our low estate, for his loving kindness endures forever. And has snatched us from our adversaries, for his loving kindness endures forever. Who gives food to all flesh, for his loving kindness endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heavens, heaven, for his loving kindness endures forever. I don't know if you've understood that his loving kindness endures forever. Found in Christ Jesus, you are found in his Christ Jesus, in his loving kindness, found in Christ Jesus, his loving kindness for you endures forever. Do you understand it? Do you believe it? Are you making the connections between your mind and your heart as this is truth because it is God's word? His loving kindness endures forever. 26 times it was said in this psalm, and I will give you a key about understanding Hebrew. When you hear something repeated over and over again, it is important that you understand what is being said. He repeats it 26 times. His loving kindness endures forever. And what did David say? I've trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me even in his silence toward me. It is right and good that it is happening for me. Because his loving kindness endures forever. Rejoicing in the Lord's salvation, his loving kindness leads him to being able to sing about it in the benevolent rewards that he receives because of it. The Lord has been with him and has continues to be with him. Psalm 27, 14, hope in the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Hope in Yahweh.
You may have noticed a difference when I read verse Psalm 27, verse 14. Perhaps your translation says, wait on the Lord. Interestingly enough, that the Hebrew word for hope and wait are the same thing. That waiting on the Lord is hoping in the Lord and his loving kindness that endures forever. It is the joyful hope in anticipating the acts of God the acts that he will do and be directed towards his people. Therefore, it is not merely waiting on the Lord, but it is hoping in all that the Lord will bring to pass, a hope that is both sure and true. Now, perhaps when you read this Psalm 13, as we went through it, uh, you may have been challenged. You might have found some difficult things. Uh, You may have found some things that I said that caused you to bristle, to dig in your feet, Maybe you are tossed about like that person that's on a lifeboat in the middle of the ocean with no hope in sight, no ships passing by, no land in sight, no lighthouses anywhere. Little provision, the sun beating down during the day, the dark nights and no water to be seen, to drink. Long nights of seeming unendingness, wondering when it will all come to a close hoping that that phone call, that ringing, will be picked up by somebody on the other end. Maybe you have foreboding thoughts about your state before the Lord. Maybe you are dredging up past sins and wondering if they're actually forgiven. I can tell you it happens on those dark nights of the soul. Maybe you're thinking that what you're going through now, the answers that you're not receiving are because the Lord is punishing you for these past sins. I would suggest that you pray for forgiveness for not believing God's promises at that point in time. You must believe the promises that he says that he has forgiven you. And he will not dredge those sins up again and hold them before your face and see, look and see what you did. He does not do that. When he says he forgives, he actually forgives. But you see, the devil looked for that chink in the armor because, see, we have a hard time believing that God actually forgives us for what we've done. The devil uses that to work his way in and create doubts for us. But you must trust that his loving kindness endures forever. Maybe you're tired, uh, have tired of praying to God for relief. The, re- the prayers sound the same every day, every night. Nothing, no answers seem to come. Maybe you wonder if he's even listening. Are you even there? Maybe there's a barrier between me and the Lord. Maybe it's just hitting the ceiling and it's not reaching him. Maybe you're wondering if he cares. You see, you know the truth that he actually does hear your prayers, but there's a disconnect in your belief. Maybe you feel that the Lord that you love has abandoned you. Maybe you feel that you're not good enough. Well, the good news is the Lord does hear our prayers. Isaiah 30, 18. Therefore Yahweh waits with longing to be gracious to you, And therefore, he is on high to have compassion on you. For Yahweh is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who wait or hope for him. Found in Christ Jesus, we can have confidence that our prayers are heard. We can have confidence that our prayers are heard. 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. And this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Found in Christ Jesus then, 
as I hope all of you are, and if you're not, please see me afterwards and we will talk about the Savior that I love and trust. Founding Christ Jesus then, we can come to that point where it seems like God is not answering us, when we can cry out the Lord to answer us, and we could be reminded of how God is exactly where he, not only is God exactly in heaven and unchangeable where he's at, but we're exactly where he desires us to be. We can trust in his loving kindness that goes on forever. We could weather those storms of life. And when those apostles said in Mark chapter four, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39, and he woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, silence and be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm and he said to them, why are you so cowardly? Do you still have no faith? And they became very afraid and were saying to one another, who then is this? Or like it says in Matthew, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The kind of man he is is our savior. And he does hear our prayers and he does intercede for us right now and he does care for us and he cares for our best in this life that will glorify him. He cares for us enough that he went to the cross for us willingly and shed his blood for us willingly so that he could die the death that we couldn't die for us to be clothed in his righteousness. These storms that we have in our life, these Emptiness that sometimes we have in our life are lies that the roaring lion of the devil tells us. We look at the scriptures and we see something entirely different. We see a Jesus who does care for us. And that our foundation is not shaky, but it's found in Christ Jesus. That our prayers are heard, that you have already received the answer, that you are saved and are his son or daughter with complete inheritance. That these storms that we have in life are only temporary and to be expected but there is an eternal life that is waiting after this in the light and joy of our Savior. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for all that you have done to the undeserving, the undeserving that you have saved. Please be with us throughout this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.